Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Oh, he deserves the glory. You can be seated this uh, afternoon or morning. We're glad you're here today. And uh, looking forward to what the Lord is going to do. We had a wonderful time at our 9 o'clock service. And looking forward to what God's going to do here today. We welcome you. In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say you're in the right place. At the right time. Right now. And I believe that today. I don't believe it's a coincidence you're here. And I pray that the Lord will minister to you. Uh, We're in a new series here that we're talking about values. And a few months ago we talked about Uh, values, personal values. In fact, we called the series Timeless. And what we're talking about was uh, times change, but values don't. And we were talking about virtues and attributes that all of us need to have in our lives, like honesty and responsibility. But today, or this, the next few months, we're going to be talking about our church values, what we value as a church. And so before we begin, I want to pray And ask the Lord just to help us as we dive into this message today. Let's pray for God to help us. Father, we thank you and we praise you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, for every individual in this house today. I pray, Lord, wherever they're at spiritually, emotionally, mentally, I pray the Word of God would just unfold and touch their lives. I pray the Word of God would come alive in their hearts today. I pray, Father, today as I minister the Word that uh, you would just anoint every word that I say today and let the people hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. And what we begin to talk about, as I started last week, we were talking about culture and we're talking about values, but primarily values. Culture is what you see on the outside. And I talked about how an apple, how you can tell a good apple from a bad apple is the way the peel looks, right? Uh, you don't go for the brown apples or the spotted ones. You could tell by the peel of the apple how good that apple is going to be. And the culture of our church is like the peel. When you come, you can just tell what kind of people there are. Are they friendly people? Are they loving people? Is this a great atmosphere? That's the culture of the church. But the values of the church are are the beliefs, or so to speak, not doctrinal beliefs, but what did this church, what is this church about? How do they do things? What do they value as a church? And so we've been talking about the different values, and so many churches can tell you, well, we value everything, but what are you good at? What do you value primarily? What are what does the church primarily do? And so we've been talking about that, and last week we talked about change, and I said change is our is our buddy. And so we talked about how change is our friend and that we are a church that believes in change, that we believe we need to upgrade things. Things need to change a little bit. The message doesn't change, but the methods do. And since you've been here, you've been here, for some of you that have been here for a while, you've seen that things have changed uh, as uh, things, uh, uh, seasons have changed. We, we've changed the way the building looks. We've changed the way our worship. All of these things uh, change is our friend because we believe this. And so one of the values that we did was change is our friend. And we defined it this way. Our faith is activated as we embrace change and innovation. Every season and challenge is an opportunity for problems to become possibilities. And so we came up with seven values. That was our first value that I ministered last week. And I'm going to just kind of read off really quickly some of the other values. Then we're going to get into the value that I want to talk about today that I think will really, really, really uh, inspire you. Uh, Our next value is what we call define and align. And what we're talking about there is ministry is relief when we communicate and collaborate as a team. So uh, in our church, we believe in team. We believe in working together, aligning with Christ's will. So as long as we're uh, serving God and it's Christ's will, we believe that teams uh, accomplish the kingdom of God. And then the next one is grace and truth. And we believe in giving people grace, showing compassion, showing mercy for people people, regardless of where they come from, regardless of their background, but we also believe grace and truth, we also believe truth sets people free. 
And so we're, it's not about compassion. We're not just about uh, mercy, but we also minister truth and tell people the things that need to be broken from their life, things that God can help them with. And then we, we also have another value called make room. And what make room is, obviously we're making room for the Holy Spirit, but we're saying make room for every person that's in ministry or involved in our church. Uh, we want to make sure they're spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy, physically healthy. And so we care about the person that is serving within our church. And then the other value is what we call life on life. This is how we disciple others. This is how we model Christianity for others is life on life. And then we have one more, number six um, uh, um, value is what we call 360. And we believe in honoring people, but most of us, when we talk about honor, we're always honoring up people in position. And we believe in this. We honor up, we honor down, and we honor all around. So we just don't honor people in high position. We, put, we honor those even in lower positions than us, and then we honor those that are by our side. And in this last one here that we're going to talk about today, it's called Reach Out, and I'm going to have evangelist John Tahaji come, and he's going to lay it out for us. Amen. Good afternoon, everyone. So the value that I want to touch on is Reach Out and this value stuck out to me the most uh, out of the rest of the seven is because for as long as I've been a part of uh, God's work called Reach under the leadership of Pastor Omar, is this value has not changed uh, from my understanding as the 33 years that Pastor Omar has been in ministry. So um, reaching out and, and so um, not just biblically, but as a true value for the heart of the house Reaching out is just something so significant to the work that we do here. So just to give a better definition is reach out. The Great Commission is our mission. We're committed to reach, restore, and release people to fulfill God's purpose in them. So I love that, that the Great Commission is our mission. This gives me so much confidence knowing that I walk into a church that is a part of uh, the work of God and building his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So what's amazing about this call is that it doesn't just belong to Pastor Omar. You don't have to be ordained. You don't have to be an evangelist to do this call. This call is for all believers. And so therefore go. That is a central focus of the Great Commission is to call individuals to commit to Jesus Christ as Savior. And so the very existence of our church is founded on this value here. It's even in our name, Reach Church. And uh, so there is no restoring without the reach. And there is certainly no release without the reaching. So street evangelism is great. Uh, we believe in the on, on, uh, spreading the gospel online. You see the, the cameras everywhere. We give our best effort for that and our hand in the community, serving the community. These things are great. But, um, but what, is, what is truly important is our lives. How many are here because of a relationship with somebody else? You were invited because of somebody else. So the influence and the impact of your testimony is so significant. It's as if you are a walking billboard for the gospel. As this is what the Lord has done in my life, so therefore I want to share it with you. This is the goodness of God overflowing um, just naturally in my behavior, in my beliefs, in my walk to where others naturally want that. So you don't, we don't always just have to sh shove the gospel down, uh, down somebody or, or preach it so harshly. Although sometimes it's just living an act of, of a righteous life and letting people know, I serve the Lord, and this is what the Lord has done in my life, and this is what I believe he can do in yours. So we don't just want to be known around the world. That is not something that we just aim to do. We don't want to be known around the world. We want to be known by the world around us, making an impact with those that we have direct uh, contact with that Pastor Omar can't reach personally, that I can't reach personally, but that you can. That's the power of the Great Commission by preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel, but living out the gospel with our lives. Amen? God bless you. All right. Thank you. And so let me kind of cover the first one here. Again, when we're talking about reach out, as the evangelist John talked about, if we're talking about reaching, restoring, and releasing. And what we're talking about reaching, we're talking about reaching everyone with the love of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what gospel means, the good news. And then we also believe in restoring. In other words, we're, we believe in restoring life back into relationship with God and making them into committed followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. And the third one is releasing and equipping 
uh, people empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill their God-given purpose. In fact, in the inception of the church, uh, the book of Acts, if you want to know when the church was started, after Jesus resurrected, he empowered his disciples uh, to go out and preach the gospel. And the Bible says that message continued. And I'll just read this scripture, Acts chapter 12, verse 24. God's message continued to spread and to reach people. There's something about this gospel message, which means good news, that we believe that God is doing everything that he can to reach people, and he reaches people through us. Now, I don't know if you've ever reached for something, or uh, whether it's high in a cabinet somewhere, or in your garage, and you're trying to reach. How many know you can't reach stuff if you're just sitting down, not doing anything? You gotta, you gotta, there's gotta be a little bit of effort. You gotta kind of stretch out a little bit. Some of you, it might even help you a little bit to stretch and to get up, you know, and move a little bit. And you wanna, you wanna stretch and get whatever it is that you're reaching for. Why? Because what you're reaching for is valuable. It's something you want. And God is saying that the human being, the human soul, is worth reaching for. That all of us today, that God was willing, that Jesus was willing to give up all of heaven to reach us and to save our soul. And he wants us in relationship with him. That God gave up all of heaven. Jesus gave up his throne to reach you and I. And then he gave us his authority. He basically commissioned the church as what we call the Great Commission. And really, we need to be uh, greatly committed to the Great Commission. But look at what it says here in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So one of the commandments that Jesus gave before he left earth, after his resurrection, was to tell his followers, he told them to go. This was not a suggestion. This was not an option. This was not just something he thought of. If you're a child of God, if you belong to God, you're expected to go and make disciples. In other words, you're supposed to impart the things of God. There are five characteristics of a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're a disciple of God, number one, you're a person who knows God and loves God. Number two, you want to grow spiritually uh, to maturity. You just don't want to grow, but you want to grow to a place of maturity. The third thing is you want to serve God through ministry. In other words, there's ministry that God has for you to serve in. And then the fourth one is you're supposed to share the good news with other people. In other words, there are people that are on the other side of your obedience wanting to hear the message of the good news that you have. And then the fifth thing is uh, you're a worshiper of God with all of your heart. And so the authority that Jesus gives us is not an authority by government. It's not the authority by some political party or some political movement. The authority that God gives us is the authority that Jesus gives us. And that's our responsibility is we're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel or minister the gospel. Now, many of us would say, why is that our responsibility? Uh, Think about it this way. If you knew the cure for cancer, how many people would you want to know the, the answer or how many people would you want to share that answer to? Because if people are around you and they have cancer and you had the cure for it, then you would want to get the message out. I want to say to you that people today have a disease. It's not cancer. It's called sin. And the cure is Jesus. He's out to save them and forgive them. The Bible says in John 3, 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So God wants to save the world. He wants to touch people because believe it or not, people are lost. Now, a lot of you may be standing there or sitting there thinking, I'm not lost. I don't know anyone that's lost. You're lost and you don't even know it. 
You don't even realize before you came to Christ, you were a lost soul. You are away from God. You were lost. And I'm going to show you through the word of God and prove it to you that indeed you were lost before you came to Christ. If you've never received Christ in your life, you are lost. Look at what the Bible says. Jesus came for that very purpose. In Luke 19, verse 10, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. Now, you may be wondering why are we considered lost? There's a great chapter in the book of Luke, chapter 15. You don't have to read it there because I'm preaching right now, but when you get home, you can read it all you want. But Luke chapter 15, you can call that chapter, if you've never read the Bible, it's called the lost and found chapter. And in that chapter, the word lost and found is mentioned 10 times. There are three stories that are given in the book of Luke chapter 15, and it talks about the lost sheep, it talks about the lost coin, and it talks about the lost son. And really what it begins to, uh, it's a metaphor for you and I. And so the first story is about a shepherd that has a sheep that is lost. He's got a hundred sheep. He begins to bring them all in, and he's gathering, in the, gathering all of his sheep in the pen, not the penitentiary, but the sheep pen, okay? Yeah, penitentiary is different. We're talking about the sheep pen to protect them, and as he's counting them, as he's bringing them in one by one, he's counting sheep, and before he goes to 99, and he goes, where is 100? He realized that there was 100, but only 99 are there. So he goes to look for the lost one sheep, and he does everything he can to find that sheep. He leaves the 99 that are safe to go after the one that is lost. And I believe the church, we need to go and find the lost and not be so worried about everybody here, but find that lost sheep, right? That one that has gone astray. And of course, the Bible said when he finds the sheep, he comes home, he rejoicing over the lost sheep. Then it talks about a lost coin where a woman loses her coin. She has these valuable coins. One of those coins get lost and she does everything that he can, she can to find that coin. And the scripture says when she finally finds the coin, she's rejoicing. She puts it on Instagram, Facebook. It goes viral. I found my coin. It's awesome. And everybody's excited. And then the third one is is the lost son. The son who was there in the father's house but decides and says, I know better than you. And he goes off and he goes up to Las Vegas. He gets all tacked down. Uh, he's got earrings and the whole thing. Not that that's all bad. Uh, he's got rebel rebel on the neck and everything. Comes back. Uh, he's all messed up. And he finally comes uh, and he says, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son. I, I just, be, make, uh, just make me a servant. And, and, the, and the father runs to him. Uh, he covers him. He said, my son was lost but now he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive. And in that story, Jesus is saying, you and I are the lost sheep. You and I are the lost coin. You and I are the lost son and the lost daughter that he celebrates when he finds you. And when you find, finally come to him, there's a celebration. I said, there is a celebration when you are found. See, here's the reality of it. Many of us today will say, well, you know, uh, I, I don't feel like I'm lost. You don't realize you're more lost than, than you realize. See, the, the sheep didn't know it was lost, right? The coin didn't know it was lost. And even the son, to a degree, he was having such a great time until he ran out of money, he didn't realize he was lost. So there's a couple of things I want to just say to you. Just write this down. The first thing is uh, when you are lost, when you are spiritually lost, the first thing that happens is you lose your direction. You lose your direction. See, here's the thing about sheep that many people, do you realize, just, just want to give you a heads up here. Sheep are some of the dumbest animals ever created. <laughs> and do you realize that God calls us sheep? I'm thinking, wait, there's, God, are you trying to tell us something? Here's the thing about sheep, and this is the reality. If you, have, you know, I haven't done big sheep studies, okay? It's a little sheep to talk, study about sheep. But anyway, they, 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 they get lost, and there's something about them. They naturally like to wander off. And they naturally, they say that sheep, if you let them graze, 
by a cliff, they will continue to graze, continue to graze, and they'll just fall over. And if there's sheep following them, they'll fall over right next to them. In fact, in Turkey years ago, they lost 1,500 sheep because each one just began to go over. True story. You can look it up. They, they just came over and they all fell. They just wandered off and just went on their own. And here's the thing. It's not that the sheep intentionally wanders off. It's not that they were looking to wander off, but something distracted them. Something kind of got their attention. They weren't paying attention, and before you know it, they wandered off, and many of them fall over the cliff. Now, I don't know if you have any children, and you ever had that one kid just love to wander off? Like, where is that guy? He was just right here. And now he's over there in the clothes, you know, here, here at JCPenney's or Target or wherever you shop, or some of you Nordstrom's or Macy people, you know what I'm talking about. He's, he's over there, and, and before you know it, it's like, where is that guy? Now, here's the thing about that kid. That kid isn't intentionally looking to get lost. He's not uh, looking to wander away where you can't find him. He's maybe having a good time. He wants to go over here and go over there. But before he knows it, uh, because he's not paying attention, he gets lost. And this is what the Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6. All of us have strayed away just like lost sheep. It says, we've all left God's path to follow our own way. See, every time we stop following God's path, we start following our path, and guess what? We're going to end up lost. Number two, when you're lost, uh, uh, and most people, that you lose your direction, and number two, when you're lost, you lose God's protection. So the thing about sheep that I begin to find out is really sheep are the most vulnerable animals. Do you realize that sheep have no, um, really, they, they don't have a natural defense system. I mean, they can't, you know, push you with their, you know, with their, what is that, a sheepskin or whatever it is, uh, the cushions and whatever they have. They look like little, little golf, uh, little cotton balls everywhere. But anyway, they, they don't have a natural, number one, they don't run fast. We have any sheep like that here? They don't have any, they don't have any claws. They don't have any sharp teeth. They can't bite. They are very uh, vulnerable to predatory animals. And a sheep without a shepherd is a goner. So they need protection. And so almost anything can attack a sheep. A coyote, you know, a, a bear, a lion, a jackal, anything. About half a dozen animals can attack this sheep. And so uh, unless they're under the shepherd's protection... They're going to get killed. And look at what Zechariah says. My people, again, that's us, are wandering like lost sheep without a shepherd to protect them, what? And to guide them. So it's clear when you begin to read the Bible that human beings without God are lost. And when we're not under the protection of the shepherd, if you're not under the protection of God, then you're very vulnerable to the enemy. In fact, Jesus said it this way in John chapter 10, verse 10. The enemy comes to kill and to steal. The thief comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. He's out to destroy your life. He's out to kill you. He's out to ruin your life. And see, many of us think that real freedom is doing whatever we want to do. A lot of people think, well, if I just get freedom, I'll just do whatever I want to do. I, I won't have any restrictions. But you don't realize when God puts protection, he's not restricting you. He's protecting you. See, you don't realize that restrictions are there to help you. Boundaries are not to limit your life. They're, help, they're there to help you. In fact, when God gives you instruction, he's trying to bring protection to you. And I'll say it this way, if you don't listen to instruction, you're going to learn from experience. But God would prefer you to learn through instruction so you don't have to go through the experience. Does that make sense? Why go through the mess when you had instructions not to go there? It's like when you're given a blow dryer. You ever seen those hair, hair dryers or blow dryers? That they say, do not use while you're taking a shower. Duh. <laughs> Right, but why did it say that? Because apparently somebody decided to use that blow dryer in the shower. 
They'll tell you, do not wash your remote control in the dishwasher. That's not a place to put the remote control. Am I right? So why the saying this? Because it's trying to protect you. These instructions are trying to protect you and trying to keep you from being destroyed. God is trying to protect you when he gives you guidance and gives you boundaries because without him, you're lost. And without him today, you're going to lose his protection. The third thing is anytime you lose or anytime you're lost, you're going to lose your potential. See, here's the very good fact about all of us is that all of us have potential. The Bible talks about that lost coin. Remember I talked about that lost coin? Do you realize that a lost coin is still valuable even though it's lost? That if you got enough coins, I don't know if any, anybody here collect coins? <laughs> and you, yeah, there's some people back there. If you got enough coins and you add them up, man, you could, you could do a lot with coins, especially older coins. In fact, the, the, the longer those coins are out, the more valuable they become. And so there's something about coins that are very valuable, that, but they have great potential, right? Because once you find that coin and you use it, it's valuable. But as long as it's lost, it's, it's not lost its value, but it becomes a waste. Did you hear me? You have potential. You still have worth. You're worthwhile, but when you're lost, it's wasted. God is saying, if you let me find you, then I can use you, and you'll see the great potential that's inside of you. Somebody say amen. So let me say it again. Nothing is worthless, but it's wasted. You're in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. You are losing your potential. You are valuable. Here, I'll say it this way. The, the fact is, when somebody says you're lost, it's not an insult. A lot of us think, man, well, you know, they're calling me lost. Uh, I heard the pastor says, he says, I'm lost. I, friend, I, I'm going to be honest with you. The fact that I say you're lost is the fact that you're valuable because when we find you, we know your value. Amen. See, there's the difference between Something that's misplaced and something that is lost. Am I right? How many of us, we, you can misplace the bobby pin, right? You don't, it's like, oh my God, I lost the bobby pin. You're not worried about bobby pin. But if you lost your car keys, they say, wait a minute, that's valuable right there. I, I lost my car keys. We're going to find the car keys today. We're going to do whatever we got to do to find those car keys because there's value in the car keys. And so I'm here to tell you today that when we say that you're lost, it's a compliment because that means you're valuable and you're worth finding. You are worth finding today. So whoever you are in this place, if you're lost, you're worth finding. You have value. See, all three of them, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, all had their value. They had never lost their value. You are valuable to God. You are so valuable to God. In fact, the Bible says when they found the lost sheep, when they found the coin, that there was a rejoicing, there was a celebration. In fact, the scripture says all of heaven rejoices just like that sheep that is lost over one sinner that repents. You want to get heaven going? You want, to get, you want to get a party going on in heaven? Get somebody saved. Get somebody that's lost, found, and coming to Christ. There's a party going on. This is why we could sing that song, Your Way is Better. Because most of us know what it's been like being lost. And you say, man, I don't want to live in the lost anymore. Your way is better, Lord. Amen. Your way is better. Here's, here's the answer to, to staying with God. As long as you remember his way is better, you'll never go back. But as long as you think, well, you know, there might be better things. As long as your options are open, you'll, you'll go back. But see, I made, a, I made a decision a long time ago when I was 16 years old. My decision was I'm going to serve God the rest of my life. I'm never going back. And can I tell you, I've kept that commitment to this day. And his way is better. I just made up my mind. His way is better. 
I've watched my friend. I've watched all their life. I said, oh, no. God, you're confirming over and over your way is better. Hallelujah. I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing. I, I, I'm not going to be a follower. I'm going to be a leader. I'm not going to follow what everybody else is doing. I'm going to follow God and, and lead others to Christ. Is that all right? And so the Bible tells us over and over that these three particular ones, the lost sheep, the lost coin, uh, all of these people were celebrated. They never lost their value. And I'm just here to tell you, no matter who you are in this place, uh, you've not lost your value. And friend, I want to tell you today that you need a savior because you're lost. You need a savior. If you didn't need a savior, Jesus wouldn't have came. And so give me, let me give you the second one, and I got I to gotta move really quickly here, and it's called restore. And the Bible talks about that we are to be restored back to God. And what I mean by that is that all of us today, God wants to restore us back in relationship with him. The Bible says, again, that he's commanded all of us to go out and to make disciples. That word disciple, what the word disciple means is the word student or the word pupil or a learner. So all of us are considered disciples. When Jesus came to the earth, he called people his disciples. He used the basic word that everybody understood. Everybody understood the word. It's not as common as it is. Uh, it's not as common now as it was then. But back then, anyone that was a follower, anyone that was a trainee or a mentee was considered a disciple. And so Jesus gathered his disciples. He gathered these followers and he called them disciples. Of course, we know the apostles were, the 12 apostles were also disciples. When the church started in the book of Acts, they were called disciples before they were ever called Christians. Christians came later. The word Christian came later. Actually, the common word was disciples. And so here's, here's a great example of how Jesus called one of his first disciples in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus was going down the road, he saw Matthew sitting at the tax collection booth. And he said, what? Come and be my disciple. In other words, come be my follower. And then Jesus said, Jesus said to him, so Matthew got up, what? And he followed him. Again, that is the disciple. He is a follower. He is one that follows Christ. And here's what God wants us to do. And here's what God wants to do in your life. He is slowly getting you more committed. In other words, he starts with a very little commitment and he goes into super commitment. So think about this. When the disciples first started following Jesus, they didn't know a whole lot. But the more they spent time with Jesus, in fact, they, th they spent three years with him, the more they spent with Jesus, the more committed they became. The closer you get to God, the more committed you'll, get, you'll be to him. Can you say amen? It's like if you wanted to go run a marathon and say, hey, you know what, there's a marathon in six months, uh, you know, 26, he goes, man, you know, at 26, so what is it, 26 and the third mile, whatever it is, 26 miles, let's just say uh, uh, the LA Marathon, I don't know when, it's, when it is, but let's just say it's in six months. And let's just say we decided, you know what, we're, we're all going to run in a marathon. Some of you are going to say, we are, just, just like, pretend, okay? And so we're going to do this. And tomorrow we're going to train for this marathon. We would not just start going tomorrow and running 26 miles. Some of you, you know, it would be from here to, you know, the corner. And then we, we, we're going to work. We're going to work our way, right? Slowly. Maybe it's a quarter mile the first day and, uh, uh, you know, half a mile or a quarter mile the first week. And we're building it up. Am I right? You're training, uh, and the more and more you do it, the more and more you practice it, the better you become and the more committed you become. So when you finally get to that marathon six months from now, you would have trained, you've already have been jogging, already been working your way through, and this the way Jesus did it. He realized that every disciple has to grow. And in order to grow, you need to change. You need to change your priorities, right? We need to change. See, we can't be committed to everything. We, we got to be able to say yes to this and no to that. And the closer you get to God, the more you're going to be saying yes to him and no to a lot of other things that get in the way. 
And so the more you spend time with Jesus, the more your relationship is going to grow. And this is what he said in John chapter 12, verse 26. He said, if you want to be my disciple, you must come and follow me because my servants must be where I am. And if they follow me, the Father will honor him. So we learn to make choices to follow Christ a lot more closer. One of the first things that he did when following Christ is he basically, when they asked Jesus, uh, uh, when they asked him, where are you going? He said, come and see. That is the first thing, the first phase of walking with God, come and see. This is how you talk to people. People say, hey man, I, I heard you're Christian. Yeah, well, where are you go to church? Come and see. Where are, you, where are you hanging out? Come and see. What, what are you doing Friday night? I go to Connect Group. Come and see. What are you doing on Friday night on youth? We go to, we go to youth. Uh, come and see. Come and check it out. Come and see. Come and see. So that, that, that's where it starts, right? Starts with just come and see. Come and check it out. And then the next one, the next thing is come and follow. Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, he said, first he said, come and see. And then he said, come and follow. In other words, uh, this invitation is now, not only are you seeing, uh, but now you're following. Let me see where you're going and let me begin to follow what you're doing. That is the second phase uh, of your commitment. Uh, uh, Jesus said many other things uh, that when he talked about come, he talked about come and have life. Come if you're thirsty. He came to meet our needs. In fact, I like to... Uh, John chapter 21, verse 12, come and have breakfast. You got me right there. And so come and have breakfast. But, but the last one was first is come and see, come and follow. And then the next one is come and, and commit to me. In other words, come and deny yourself. This is what he said. He said this. You can write these scriptures down. Matthew chapter 8, verse 22. Uh, or he, or Mark chapter He said, come and deny yourself. Luke chapter 9. Come and take up your cross and follow me. And so he's requiring more and more commitment. The closer you get to God, the more committed you're going to become. And the more of a disciple you're going to be. And the last thing I want to talk about is release. So we talked about reaching someone. We talked about restoring someone into committed disciples of Jesus. That's our value. And then the last one is releasing people. What are we talking about when we're saying releasing people? We believe that God can use anyone at any time. Amen. And he uses everybody. No matter who you are, what walk of life you come from, we believe God can use your life. In fact, the great example of this is we see in the Bible, Jesus used uh, just a, a ragtag group of men from different back backgrounds, fishermen, tax collectors, different guys uh, from different backgrounds, and yet we see the power of God working through them. God was able to gather them together as disciples. We see them get closer to God. We see their growth, and we see God begin to use them. We believe God can use your life, that you can be released and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be used by God. Look at, I'm going to read the scripture to you. Jeremiah 1.5. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nation. Now, let me just say this to you. I want to remind everyone in this building today that God commissioned you before you were even born. Before you even were birthed into this planet, God already knew who you were. And let me just say this. You're not an accident. You were born on purpose. Your parents may, say, may have said you're an accident. But I want to tell you today that God had the purpose for your life. <laughs> that, God did, that God created you and that was not accidental. That he had the plan for your life. God knew when you were born, when you would be born, how you would be born, where you would be born. And maybe your parents may not have planned you, but can I tell you, God planned you long before. He planned your life. And he has something for you today. And if you'll follow him, You'll discover how God can use you. Here's the wonderful thing about the plan of God and God releasing people is God even uses failures. How many have ever failed in their life? Anybody hear any failures? Thank you, honest people. 
The rest of you failed my, my test right now. You've all, you failed. You lied. You know we've all failed at something. In fact, I was sharing with the uh, 9 o'clock service how I failed the DMV test twice. Yeah, yeah, I know it's hard to believe. And I'm a great driver now. Amen. And it, was, it wasn't until my third time that I passed. The first one, I'll just be honest with you, I wasn't really prepared. And it was my cousin's wife. She took me to take the DMV test. Back then, you would go and do the written test. And then if you wanted to, you could just say, hey, I'll take the, I'll take the driver. You didn't have to make appointments and all this other stuff they'd do then. But back then, so I took the written test. I passed with flying colors. And I said, yes, I got it. She said, well, you know, we're here already. I have the car. Why don't you just tell them you take the driving test? And I wasn't really prepared. You know, I hadn't really experienced. I didn't really drive that much yet. And she said, just do it. And I said, okay. She goes, you can pass. And I went, okay. <laughs> so here I am driving. And I, and I remember going through a blind intersection, flying right through that blind intersection. It's true. True story. In fact, the blind intersection had a bump. And I remember the car going up like this. <laughs> and the guy that was taking it there said, let's go back. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to finish this test. He failed me right there. And then the second time, I was so nervous. I don't even know what the excuse was. I failed then again. And finally, the third one, and the lady told me, now, you know this is your third one. Don't remind me. I know it is. Thank God I passed, and I've been driving since then. Amen. So, so God can use failures. Did you hear me? God can use a failure. So if you failed in life, God can use you. That's the wonderful thing about God. In fact, Peter denied Jesus three different times, and yet it was Peter after his resurrection that Jesus used to preach the first sermon, and 3,000 people got saved. So it just shows you that God's the merciful God, that God can use anyone that will dedicate their life to him and will acknowledge that he is good and that he could use them. Here's what God says about you. Here, let me just read this description to you in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You probably never heard this, some of you, but I'm going to read it to you. We are God's masterpiece. Did you hear that? In fact, turn to someone and say, I'm a masterpiece. That's right, you are. You are. You're God's masterpiece. You may not think you are, but you know what? To God, you're his masterpiece. You're his greatest creation. And then this is what he says. He's created us anew. We're, we become new in Christ Jesus. So that what? We can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So in other words, a long ago before you were even born, God already had a plan. And he said, I, 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 I've created you. You're a masterpiece. I've created you anew in Christ Jesus. So in Christ Jesus, everything becomes new. How many thank God for that? The Bible says, old things passed away, and behold, everything becomes new. And then he said, put it back up. What happened to the scripture? What, where, what, 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 it was, there it is, there it is. So that what? We could do the good things. And what would they get? Was they not paying attention? So that we could do the good things. Are you guys with me so far? So he planned for us a long ago. Now you can take it away. Thank you. So here's the thing. Long ago, God created you. You're his masterpiece. And he had the purpose for you. So no matter who you are, what walk of life you come from, can I tell you God can use you? God has the, God has the purpose and a designation for you. He has an assignment for you. When I first learned that, I said, God, what's my assignment? God, what can I do for you? And can I tell you, I got involved in everything I could possibly get involved in. When I came to church, man, I said, get me in. Get me in. What can I do? What can I do? I want God to use my life. And never beyond my wildest dream did I think that I would ever be preaching and talking to people like you today. Never even imagined. I just wanted to be used by God. I remember just being an usher. I remember just being in a drama team. I just remember just being involved wherever I could be. God, just use me. I just want to make a difference. I just want to serve. God, wherever you would have me serve, I'll do it. I remember bringing my friends from high school to church and telling them, come and see. Come and see. Come and see what God can do in your life. And as I began to do that and began to see God use my life, can I tell you, God can do that in your life today? That God had the plan for you? That doesn't matter how many talents and abilities you have. God could use a one-talent person. He could use a two-talent person, a five-talent person. All of us have at least one talent. And what do I mean by that? You can pray for somebody. 
You could love somebody. You can give somebody a compliment. Am I right? All of us have that ability. Think about what the Bible, the kind of people that God used in the Bible. He used a teenager by the name of David who was just a shepherd boy taking care of his sheep. And God turned that shepherd boy into a warrior. And he ends up killing a giant by the name of Goliath with a slingshot. God could use people. He used a, a young man by the name of Joseph. If you read the story, he was betrayed by his brother, slowed into slavery, ends up in prison. But God began to use his life. And before you know it, he became the right-hand man of Pharaoh in Egypt. And Joseph saved two nations, the nation of Egypt and the nation of Israel. Don't tell me God can't use your life. God had the plan for you. He had the purpose for you. And if, friend, today, if you'll recognize that, man, he reached you, okay? He restored you, and he wants to release you and empower you so that you could be used by his glory and for his praise today. This is why we could sing those songs, Great Are You, Lord. Great are you, great are you, Lord. He's great. This is why people in here, some of you that are watching, everybody's singing. Why are they singing? Because they know what they were before they came to Christ. God changed their life. People say, you need to quiet down those people. Are you kidding me? It took me this long to get them loud. Amen. Man, my goodness. They didn't used to sing before. Now they do. And now they lift their hands. Now they're celebrating. I'm not going to change that. Man, we're going to celebrate. Great are you. Great are you, Lord. More and more and more. Because he is great. How many thank God for that? So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Holy Spirit, we thank you today. You're great. You're powerful. God, where would we be without you? God, we were lost. God, we were lost. We were wandering away. God, we were lost. We didn't even know we were lost. We were like sheep, like your word says, gone astray. God, we were grazing along in life and not really realizing how far we have distanced ourselves from you. God, some of us are, are close to the cliff. Some of us are at the bottom of the cliff looking up, wondering, is there hope? Can I tell you there's hope? As long as you're alive and breathing, there's hope for you. Maybe you've gone so far. You say, man, I've, I've gone so far. Oh, you're not too far that God can't reach you. You're not too far that God can't reach you. You say, Pastor, I feel like I'm really distant. I feel like I'm really far. I don't know that, you know, God even cares about me. Friend, the fact that you're here tells me that you're not too far. The fact that you're here tells me that God brought you here. It's too coincidental to be a coincidence that you're here listening to this message today. Of all the Sundays that you decided to come, you came today, and I began to talk about someone being lost. I begin to talk about being away from God. I begin to talk about how we're like sheep, how we're like that coin, how we're like that lost son. But you didn't realize how valuable you are, that you're worth finding, that God loves you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever believes in him. You are the whosoever that needs God. He died for the whosoever. Wherever you're at in life right now. Friend, I'm telling you, you're looking for answers. And I'm telling you, the answer is right in front of you. His name is Jesus. You can search the world around. I'm telling you, you will come up empty. Empty over and over again. I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to over and over. They got everything, but they don't have God. And they're empty. They have filled their life with things and drugs and issues and money. And, you know, they've chased after the dream. And they just said, I'm still empty. Because you don't have Jesus in your life. You're lost. But today, God brought you here. And today you say, you know what? I need the Lord in my life. If you're in this place right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. Christians praying quietly right now. If you're in this room, I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm here to pray with you. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to share this news, the good news, that God loves you. And he's reaching out to you. He's reaching out to you in his love. That Jesus loved you so much, he died for you. Who do you know that loves you that much that would die for you? 
Who do you know that would care about your life that much because you're worth finding today? So if you're in this room right now with every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment, be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. You need God in your life. You need the Lord in your life today. He can make a difference. If you're in this room right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, say, Pastor, I need, I need the Lord in my life today. I need Jesus. Would you just raise your hand real quick and say, that's me back there. Number of people back there. Who else? Right over here, down here. God bless you. Who else? Number of people already. Three or four people right now. You can put your hands down. Anybody else? I believe there's some more people in here. You're waiting. You're kind of hesitating. You're wondering, man, I don't know. I need to get ready. No, you come to God as you are. He'll take care of the rest. You'll never be ready. You need to come to God as you are and let him take care of the rest. Is there anyone else right now? You're in this room. Say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. I need God in my life today. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. See, if you feel a tugging in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not you. You would never tug yourself. You would never be in a place of decision. You would wander off. But you're feeling the call. You're feeling something tugging at you. That means the shepherd is calling out your name. And he's trying to bring you home. He wants to direct you. He wants to protect you. Friend, he wants to save your soul today. Is there anyone else right now? You'd raise your hand. Say, Pastor, that's me. You haven't raised your hand. You'd raise it up right now. Say, that's me. That's me. Raise your hand right now. God's waiting for you. Who else? Back there. Thank you. Thank you. God's waiting for you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Someone else right here. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down back there. Thank you. Who else? Who else? God's waiting on you. I just feel the Holy Spirit's here, man, that he's talking to people. It don't, it don't matter how young, how old you are. Can I tell you, you're not too young to go to hell. You're not too young to go to hell. When you come to that place of accountability of right and wrong, you are a place of accountability now. You're not too young. You know. And today, God's reaching out to you. Open your heart to him. Open your heart to God. Is there anybody else? You'd raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. I need God in my life. I need the Lord in my life. Is there anyone else? Maybe you were once walking with God. Maybe at one time you were like that prodigal son. You knew what it was to serve God, but somehow you've gone astray. You've distanced yourself from God. You need to come back home. Who are you right now? Say, Pastor, that's me. I need to come back. Back there. God bless you. Over here on my right. Thank you. God waiting for you. Back there. God bless you. Who else? Who else? The people being honest here today. Thank you for that. Thank you for your honesty. I know how difficult it is, friend, to raise your hand. I know that. You don't know everybody here, but God knows you. He loves you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. That's me. Pray for me, Pastor. I need, I need the Lord. Is there anyone else? Before we change the order of the service, you'd raise your hand in this, in this room right now. Why don't we stand together? Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.